Hi, Drew. I was a. No. <laughs> oh God! Oh God! What are we talking you about? You went with the mustache. You went with the mustache. <laughs> I'm having oh, God. my 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 beard is like falling out though. I don't know why. Maybe you had to do this for our first guest, who's not known to us already. <laughs> well, I think you're some I, kind I, of sex pest. This is just oh, who what you are. <laughs> which which you are. Don't say that. Don't say that. I'm just coming naturally. I'm all natural. This is who I am now. Okay. The, uh, the co-host of my podcast grows a mustache off and on, so don't worry. Yeah. Like, uh, he's not a sex pest either. So. Well, yeah, the irony is it's sort of like a secret mustache because I'm usually behind a mask anyway, so it's just for my own amusement. <laughs> that's true, actually. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I call it my secret, secret mustache. mustache. I see. <laughs> it's like, you don't know what I've got behind here. Yeah, exactly. Reading for do, you I have a, I have... do I have a soul patch? Do I, yeah. have, do I have a goatee? You don't well, know. It's kind, of, it's kind of like Schrodinger's mustache because you I'm could exactly. have... <laughs> Drew, thanks for coming. Uh, only yeah. seven to eight minutes late. Sorry, I had to this, get on my. This man was one minute late and he apologized because he's Canadian. <laughs> he was like, I'm well, so I was sorry. sorry for, I was also sorry, so for, sorry for delaying it as well. I was a double. Oh, yeah, he delayed it by 15 minutes. Yeah, well, I, you know. <laughs> and I said, well, that. in advance, can we please push it back 15 minutes? Well, I respect that. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Do you want me to record the, my own, my audio on my end? Uh, you know, you might as well. I'm recording it on my end, but it can never be, you know, you can never be too safe if it doesn't True. put you out. Yeah. Sweet. It does not put me out. I am now yeah. recording. Where, I, are you in Canada? Are you in Canada I, uh, right now? I, yeah. It's <laughs> where I live. <laughs> At yeah, this like, moment, people I, live there, I'm Drew. Afraid. They don't just go there on vacation. I. It's crazy. I recently yeah. had a, a Canadian girlfriend, actually. Oh, nice. What? Congratulations. But where I, I where in Canada? Well, she was from... Um, where was she? She was from inland British Columbia. Oh, that's where I am. Oh, really? Where are I'm in, you? I'm in Vancouver, but uh, oh. but British Columbia, yeah. I like that you said inland British Columbia. I think you're the only person who's ever described <laughs> it that way. Uh, well, it's got to have an inland part. Well, we, call it, we call it, it can't the all be coastal. We call oh, it the interior. interior. Yeah, oh, it's like, okay. that's like Kelowna, Kamloops. Yeah, like, Kelowna. She was from okay. Kelowna. There you go. Wait, is this the uh, one who threw the uh, books at you? No, it's it it as good literature. Different woman and not girlfriend, but she she did throw books at me, which makes her special. <laughs> that is special. Yeah. Um, where do you guys live? Where are you guys from? Uh, I'm from Boston, uh, but I I was in Iowa up until very recently, and now I live in Pennsburg, Pennsylvania. Whoa. Okay which is not really anywhere very interesting. I just happen to be, uh, I teach it at school here. Oh, okay. Rock on. Yeah. So um, it's a strange place. I don't really know where I am. I just, I'm on this campus and I'm kind of in ice. I'm like in isolation. It's, it's strange, but. Nice. Would I know the school? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, a, it's a small 
unknown school. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I don't think I know any, like, you know, I, I got, like, Penn State, Pitts. Oh, yeah. Is William & Mary in Pennsylvania? William & Mary oh, is in, uh, Oh, Virginia, okay. So, yeah, yeah that's all I He teaches at a high school. He doesn't teach at the oh, yeah, of higher education. Oh, yeah, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, okay. He teaches children. Gotcha. Oh, so, I, yeah. I am also a high school teacher. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. What do you teach? Uh, English. Oh, nice. Yeah, same. Nice. Yeah, I'm a substitute, so I don't, I kind of teach whatever they tell me to do, but uh, but, my my degree is in English Lit, so. Yeah. Yeah. Although I've somehow never heard of this man before, this Carl Ove guy. Yeah, so that's what I wanted to ask you about, John, is when I messaged you, which by the way, I messaged you, I'd never listened to your podcast, and I messaged you because (laughs) you're welcome, and I actually have listened to your podcast as of today. Oh, thank you. Yeah, because my roommate actually almost shamed me into it. He said, if you don't listen to his podcast before you talk to him, that's kind of fucked up. I don't and think I it's worried. fucked up at all. I, I am I, surprised well, that I don't listens to my podcast. But he's, so well, but he's a fan of yours. And so I guess he, you know, that's feels nice. some loyalty. Yeah. And I, I did ask him if he wanted to, to, you know, say hi to you. And he said, absolutely not. <laughs> Come on, get him out. Let's get him in here. <laughs> I know. Well, he's in the adjacent room. So maybe if we talk loud enough, he'll just. Yeah, let's get him in here. I want to talk to him. Uh, this is bullshit. I, I want you to talk to him, but I think he like thinks he's too cool to like. Who is this guy? To, this is my roommate, Sawyer. Oh, Sawyer, the one who's yeah. A bike mechanic, yeah. Sawyer. And he just Tom got hired Cooper. at REI. Whoa. Oh, okay. Yeah. People have been telling me that's a good place to work. I know nothing about it, but people it have seems said like it. A, it seems pretty good so far. Like you get dividends, uh, the employees get. Anyway, it's something kind of equitable. Um, and you get a 30 to 40% discount. all of their merchandise but they have very strict policy and this is apparently the first thing he learned in training about uh abusing the discount right they highly highly discourage abusing the discount so then what's the point of it well it's to for yourself so you can buy as much stuff for yourself as you want the second you buy something at a discount and sell it to another person you are done if I bought like lingerie, they'd be like, what the hell's going on? You know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And All I know the lingerie that's, that's, that's where most REI. Americans get their lingerie is at REI. That's so. absolutely correct. I get uh-huh. it's like snowshoe lingerie. Yep. Yeah. We used to have, so like I worked for Sport Check, which is like kind of like a dick sporting goods type store up here okay and yeah. we were allowed to buy for whoever we wanted, but we had a, we had a monetary limit. Which like oh, okay. to me, that makes sense. It's like you got like so ours was cost plus ten percent. So whatever the store paid, and then ten percent on top of that. But which was like I mean insane. Like for most stuff, it worked out to about sixty to sixty to eighty percent off. Mm-hmm. Um, and but then you could only spend up to two thousand dollars a year, like on that. only two thousand. I mean, it's I mean, still you can get a kayak for two thousand dollars. Can you? I don't know. What? How much do kayaks uh, cost? Yeah, you can. Oh yeah, you can get a kayak for sure. Cost on a kayak is definitely like yeah. less than two grand. How much is a kayak? Depends on how good of a kayak you want. I'm. I kind of want to get a kayak just in time for winter. <laughs> <laughs> That's the time. Yeah, I could, can I get like an ice breaking device at the prow of my kayak? Yeah. I think ice kayaking is a thing. Oh, for sure. Ice everything yeah. is a thing. Well, you ice. would know. I mean. 
Vancouver is very moderate. Vancouver is very yeah. moderate. Uh, where do you well, live? No, I also know another fact about where we're never going to tell Van- you where. Vancouver is uh, I know Vancouver's... another fact about you, which is that you were a curler. Sorry, I told me true. This. That is true. Yeah. I was a curler. You, you did curling? I don't, I don't really know what curling is, but um, that's fantastic. Congratulations I'm... on having been a professional curler. Thank you. Thank you. I, yeah. I, I, how does one I've always I'm always interested maybe it's a Canadian thing but how does one get like entrenched or even enter the world of curling it's uh yeah it's a little different here I mean you're in Pennsylvania which is a curling state I don't know oh, if really? is it really yeah I don't know do if you know that Drew or not, but uh, I do know not every not every U.S. state has has a lot of curling in it but but Pennsylvania does um okay. It's a lot of like Eastern seaboard states and then West, West Coast states, Washington, California, um, Alaska, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. But in Canada, it's pretty easy. Like every city basically has a, a curling club, at like at least one, like a major city like Vancouver would have multiple. But like I grew up in a city, pardon me, with a population of like, I don't know. 20,000 and I had a curling club. So it's like not out of the realm of like, you know, and so I just got started through school. I saw it on TV. I really was interested in it. I played hockey all my childhood. And then when I turned 13, I was like kind of ready to be done with hockey. And I, I just picked up curling. And then, I played hockey in my childhood. Oh, nice. Yeah. Because right. I, I was I, in Boston. It's sort of like a yeah. cultural a, uh, phenomenon. For sure. Yeah. I have a good, uh, a, a good online friend who is a, like a, one of the premier hockey reporters and he lives in Boston. Oh, wow. Uh, so yeah. I know all about it. I know all about the Massachusetts thing, you know? Yeah, it's a way of life. I, 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 the only I way for inner city Canadian youth to make it out of the inner city is to become a curler. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Because there's all that money in curling. You famously hear about yeah, all you have to, curlers, you know? Yeah, that's why you have to risk everything to make <laughs> it in curling. Yeah, that was how I got out. Yeah. Wasn't there, like an unusually like chic Korean curler some years back. Do you remember uh, this? Norwegian. Uh, the oh. Norwegian curlers got pretty famous for wearing, uh, for wearing the pants. They wore like kind oh. of fun pants and people got really oh. into that. Yeah. That's apropos of our subject. Actually. Oh my God. This is already actually tying into the true subject of our podcast. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Have we started? Are we? Is this is this the show? Yeah, we're 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 recording right oh, okay. now. Oh, all right. <laughs> we did kind of like know. a soft open. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's uh, good. The really yeah. cold open. Very <laughs> really cold. The coldest open. Yeah. Rigid Norwegian opening. It's yeah. What, it's what we call a Norwegian opening. It's a <laughs> nice. I respect you, that. You take you decant some smoked mackerel from the can, and yeah. you oh. chew it up, and you start riffing. That sounds good. That's I mean, I a like, Norwegian opening. Did you uh, did you like Blocked Party, Lawrence? I already told you I liked it. Oh, did you? I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. Even, okay. <laughs> good, thank you. That's nice. Well, I don't know. I mean, you could have just been like, no, nah, it wasn't great. Like, I don't know what. No, I wouldn't have point. brought it. I wouldn't have told you I listened to it <laughs> I if guess I didn't true. like it. You might have been. I would like, not uh, even have mentioned it. <laughs> I did. I enjoyed it. I. Um, Which episode did you listen to? Just the most recent one. I listened to the one with Gavin. Mm-hmm. I can't remember his last name. Gavin Matt. Sawyer yeah. like curated like a list of episodes oh, okay. I should listen to. Yeah. All right, I was gonna and say so yeah, that, that seems like a weird one to start with. But if yeah, if he was telling you what you had to do, yeah, that's but, good. So Sawyer? you're saying he chose the wrong episode? No, no, that's a good, I like Gavin. That's a good episode. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. I'm going to tell him that you thought that was a bad episode. And I didn't think that it was just that like, way. I just assumed when you were like, Oh yeah, I just listened to it today before I recorded with you tonight. Yeah. I just assumed you would just choose the most recent one. So that no, was, that was no. the only surprise to me. That's all. I did research. I, you know, that. Sawyer, he texted me a list of episodes to listen to. And then a few hours ago I sat him down and I said, Sawyer, what facts do you know about this guy, John? <laughs> he said, <laughs> he's a curler <laughs> and he's a teacher yeah. And he lives in Vancouver. Yeah. And um uh I think those are pretty much all the facts we got there. <laughs> gotcha. That's about it. You nailed yeah. it pretty much. That's so, pretty much the whole bio. Well, and you know I used to be a journalist, so I'm you know, I take research very seriously and that's cool. I mean I uh I, I don't know if you know, but I was published in the Atlantic earlier this year. So. Were you really? Yeah. On um podcasting? Uh, Stefan and I, uh, my podcasting partner, uh, we are kind of like experts on the website cameo.com. Oh Um, yes. That is a fascinating. Yeah. So we pitched, uh, the, the, um, tech editor at the Atlantic is a big fan of block party. So I, I jokingly tweeted at her that we were going to pitch her a story because I was just, because she announced on Twitter, she's like, Oh, I'm now the tech editor at the Atlantic. Right, people and, do that. Uh, and then I just tweeted, I just replied to her and I was like, oh good, so now I finally have somewhere to send this story about Cameo. Joking. Yeah. And then she was like, yeah. yeah, send me a pitch. And I was like, oh, I was definitely joking, but like, okay. And then we sent her a pitch and they bought it. So um, yeah, so we're two like massive dumbasses. And wow. uh, we, got, uh, we got into the Atlantic. It was really, I have a friend who's doing his PhD right now who was really, uh, he was pretty upset about it. I'm also upset about that as someone who professionally wrote articles and it took years to break into the industry. That is upsetting. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing, Lauren, straight white man. So we just, we go right to the top. So easy, yeah. you know, it's just. You just Drew's, slide Drew's right chiming in, in approvingly. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Drew's like, yeah, I've been Drew, there. You man. cannot say the phrase slide right in there with that mustache. You cannot. <laughs> so, I feel like now I'm like, I'm it's like, so bad. it's like overdetermines everything I say tonight now. It really <laughs> does. There's like literally nothing you can say that, that won't sound sleazy. <laughs> but remember, it's my secret mustache. So maybe I'll Yeah, but it's not secret. You're, you've revealed it already. Uh, no, I don't know any other you. So like for me, this is fine. This is not, yeah. this is not yeah. different than any other Drew I would have known before. So I can see yeah. that it's affecting Lauren. But for me, I'm just... I'm just saying that maybe you could get into the Atlantic with this mustache. You could. Definitely you could. Yeah. I'll, I'll pitch them my secret mustache story. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was pretty <laughs> wild. We're not journalists at all, but we did it. We made it so, to, the, to the top. Yeah. That's no, I actually that is cool, and I'm glad that you got published. Thank you. Um, I was just uh, an idiot, yeah. No, I mean, but that's the thing is like publishing or like media these days, so much of it is like predicated on Twitter, um, like having a Twitter personality or like Twitter networking, and so I think, yeah, like, and it's because it's it draws from a pool of people on Twitter and it caters to a pool of people on Twitter. So it's always defined by that. Yeah. Like how articles get produced. Yeah. It would have never, like, I would have never thought to myself like, Oh, I better go pitch the Atlantic. Like that would, that would have never occurred to me in a million years. It was just because, um, yeah, it was just because I sort of knew Ellen through Twitter and then that was it. Yeah. So, yeah. 
No, and I mean, editors have to be resourceful because obviously all their publications are dying and they're constantly trying to find ways to totally generate interest. So, yeah, you know, why not, man? Cameo.com. What a site. Cameo. What a website. I wish yeah, Carl be, uh, was in there. I would, I, would, I, would, I would solicit him. Yeah, I know. Oh, I was going to say. absolutely solicit him. He should do. You, you know should what set I mean. him up with the cameo. <laughs> Oh, are I you like are to. you like hot are you hot for him, Lauren? Uh did you not listen to the last episode? I can't believe I listened to your podcast and you didn't listen to mine. No, I didn't listen to yours. I'm sorry. I regret listening to your podcast now. And That's I'm fine. Tell, I didn't want I'm you to do in the Sawyer, first I'm gonna tell Sawyer to fuck right off. <laughs> you can. He was you like, absolutely can. He was so worried. He was like, I can't believe you're planning on talking to him and you haven't listened to his podcast. I truly did not expect you to listen. I don't expect anyone to listen to it. It's very stupid. Um, yeah. no, I didn't, I, I've just been like, I mean, as, as you know, how we got hooked up in the first place is I have an album coming out tomorrow and I've been doing a podcast tour and I believe oh. this is oh, tomorrow. The, oh my God. It's tomorrow. Congrats. I, thank you. I believe this is the 16th podcast I've done in the last like 20 ish days. That's so, insane. I haven't really had a whole lot of time for consuming media. I've just been, uh, just, you know. Nose to the grindstone, getting it done. That's, what's your you know, what's the album? Uh, it's a comedy comedy album. I'm I'm a stand up comedian. Right. Uh, so so yeah. So it's just like a live recorded set. I recorded it two weeks before the pandemic. Oh shit! Sure. Oh. Uh, it's out now, or well, it will be by the time people are listening to this. It will be available. So yeah, yeah. it will have already been out for about a month or five weeks. Let's be real. They'll already forgotten it. It'll be like yeah, dead. it'll it'll have come and gone. You know, uh, you'll have be like, been oh, remember? There will be you know. Yeah, true. Many new news items will have come and gone, but our struggle will remain. Yeah, our that's podcast, all. What can you do? And, you know? But also the struggle of all men and people on this earth. But wait, what was I talking? Oh, we were talking about being hot for Canal Squad. Uh, yes, look up a picture of him right now. Did you see? No, I mean, did I, you see the pictures of him? Yes, I saw the, the pictures of him in the Kennedy article. Magazine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, how could you not be? Yeah, he's a good-looking guy. I yeah, just didn't know that that was like an established like thing on this podcast that you're like horny for. Him. Oh well, no, it's not like a. I wouldn't call it like a motif or even like a running joke. It's more just something we talked about. We touched on last episode. Okay, I got we it. We haven't really been doing this podcast for long enough to really have motifs. Um, okay. Well, let's make it one right now. Things. You're horny for Carl. Yeah. You know, okay. Wanna... Let's put it on the record. Yeah, please uh, put it and... out there. I think it's important that when people, like, I mean, I think with Block Party, we're about to do episode 100. Yeah. People know, people know what gets, what makes Stefan and I horny, I think. Yeah. So okay. I think it's always like a thing that you, podcast listeners are are freaks, right? They're weirdos. That's what they they want to know. That's that. so true. Yeah. You know, and That's people so probably true. already assume that you're both horny for him, given that you have an entire podcast about one man. But yeah. it is important <laughs> to like get it out there and be like, and 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 be explicit. Like, I am horny for this guy. I would, sure. you know, whatever. I would do this, that. I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but I'm just saying that is what people would, that's what people like from their podcasters is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's good advice. Cause I'm pretty, I'm I do. Pretty, I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm still green behind the ears when it comes to the whole podcasting uh, milieu uh, world. Thing. You are. That's okay. You're, you're, and your you're mustache doing great. on the lip. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I got a, well, maybe Ken Osgard will admire my secret mustache. He will. I know. I already know that if he met you, his he would immediately say, 
he would write, I felt so intimidated by the lumbering Jew with I the just, mustache. Ooh. Ooh. He exuded an air of, <laughs> of lazy self-confidence that I only longed, I, would, I longed to project. I just think it, it's becoming increasingly tragic, this gulf between us and, and Carl. I know. I can't believe he still hasn't reached out. Will he ever listen to has us? Has been trying to get him on the, on the show? Uh, no, we have not. But he, <laughs> should, I feel like he should know by now. There hasn't been enough buildup yet to reach that pinnacle. Yeah, like, no. I, it is... I've had the thought in a, yeah. you know, in a back burner type mode. I bet he would do it. So what uh, can I ask, yeah. what is, why, uh, what's going on here? Why, what drew you two to this? I haven't read his books, books, book, whatever. He has I've six books. They're thing. called My Struggle. <clears throat> yes, I know they are. Um, yeah. like Hitler. Um, <laughs> so, which is cool. I like, honestly, I think if you're trying to get known, Naming your book after Hitler's book, not bad, not a bad idea. Oh, yeah. But like, what is the, what's the, what was the draw to these uh, books for you, for you two? Well, yeah, that's, I mean, John, to give a cute answer, that's kind of the point of this podcast is we don't know what it is about him. Okay. That Other than you us. want to have sex with him. Right. Well, yes. Well, yes. I know that's what it is for, for, well, I don't know about for me. No, it's what it is for you too, Drew. Just admit it. I don't know. Okay. I mean, he's very granitic. He's sort of granitic or something. He looks like weather. Yeah. You know? Okay, that's fair. Now, and how do you two know each other? Did you find each other through your love of uh, of of Carl? Oh God, no. Oh. No, we we bonded over our love of, the, of 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 Morrissey and Johnny Marr, the Smiths. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Those, right. other Nor- those other Norwegian misanthropes. No, I, I, we, well, yeah, that is actually how we met about or talking about the Smiths uh, early on in college. 10 years ago. Yeah, go, going on 10 years ago now. Yeah. Okay, yeah. gotcha. So you're college friends, you're real life friends. I, for some reason, I felt like you two were internet friends. Oh, no. God. What made you think that? No, how it arose is we've been friends for a long time and somehow managed to stay friends even though we'll go like years without talking to each other mm, okay and then a few months ago we were talking about Kanauskoid and I thought we should make a podcast about him and I said Drew why don't we make a podcast about Kanauskoid and Drew said okay and then I did all the work of you know mm. figuring out how to record mm-hmm. marketing because I'm you know I have a social media presence and some following whereas Drew has zero yes um and so i basically have the entire burden everything from marketing to um editing to you know conceptual stuff like design you know i designed the podcast logo Mm. um drew is pretty much just along for the ride got it i I do the emotional labor though no you do not (laughs) (laughs) what emotional labor do you do uh just dealing with you know the feelings that uh, emerge in Kanaz guardian terms mm-hmm. <laughs> okay well also i've read more i think of the books than you have how many of the books have you read uh, two okay <laughs> well yes i've read one and i've read half of no i've read 60 percent of the second book so and there's six right i've read yeah, the first and 60 percent of the second but they're really He's long yeah, yeah the tone. entire thing is 3,600 pages. Each book is about 600 pages. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm actually p- thinking I'm, about... I'm picking it up. 
I'm thinking about starting in on number three this winter. You should. Because it seems like a good wintry endeavor. Is it? Yeah. What is the third one about? Uh, I think it's when no, he. No, that's his childhood, right? Childhood. The third one is more stuff about his childhood. Yeah, it goes on a long time, that, that childhood. You know, actually, um, I've been thinking about trying to share Kanazgard with my students. Why? Because I think they could relate to the section where he, he tries to acquire beer. Oh, that actually, that's not a bad idea. I think, I mean, there are some, I'm not sure, the sort of massive details might turn them off, not to mention the sort of weird name, like just seeing Norwegian names might throw them off, but... But yeah. I, I, I think it might work. You know, I mean, that's not a bad idea. I mean, John, I'm guessing, I'm surmising that Karl Uwe Knauskort is not part of the Canadian public school curriculum. Uh, nope. No. Uh, <clears throat> no, I, I, um, I would say the only Norwegian uh, we invest any time in is uh, the classic, uh, your, your classic uh, Henrik Ibsen. Oh. Uh, oh, heard of him. Yeah. He's, he's one of the only uh norwegians well i was um i took a <clears throat> accelerated uh program called ib in high school heard of uh, it yeah uh, stands oh, yeah. for international baccalaureate uh it's like an advanced program that happens all over the world and yeah. you your papers get sent like to other programs in like germany and shit to get marked or whatever but <clears throat> pardon me sorry part of the ib english curriculum is that you have to like we read a bunch of stuff that was outside of outside of the kind of realm of the of the the classics or whatever that you would read mm -hmm. in high school so we read like um uh the woman warrior by joy kagawa we read um uh what else did we read uh we read metamorphosis by kafka we read uh, or no the trial sorry we read a day in the life of ivan denisevich by solzhenitsyn um, and then, yeah, we did Doll's House by Ibsen, uh, which is a great play. Uh, you know, these Norwegians. I remember it being really depressing. Yeah, a lot of feelings they have. Yeah. You know, these Norwegians, it seems. I mean, these, that's my only two experiences with them. But uh, was, was this New York Times article <laughs> and, yeah. and one of the most famous plays ever written. Those are my two, <laughs> my two entries into Norwegian. Yeah. yeah. And of course, between Ibsen and Knauskot is the obviously the weightier and the oh, greater yeah. Norwegian writer. Yeah. Uh, and so I want to ask you this, John, if you, so obviously all six books of my struggle should be integrated into the Canadian public school <laughs> curriculum. Obviously. Yeah. Which, which six books currently in the Canadian, in the CPS would you take out in favor of Canal School? Oh, in favor. Oh, I mean, the thing is, uh, Lauren, what I will say, uh, the British Columbia curriculum where I teach is actually a world renowned curriculum. It is taught in it, a ton well, of, but it doesn't have canal scored in it, does it? Well, no, it doesn't. But I, what I'm saying is it's taught in a, in a bunch of Asian countries. There are a lot of like uh, magnet schools in, in China, uh, that teach the BC curriculum. And the reason for that and this does connect to our friend Carl here. And that is uh, that part of the BC curriculum is that it leaves a lot in the hands of the teachers. Uh -huh. So if I wanted to teach him, I could easily. Like there, really? we have no, oh Are yeah. We have, yeah, we, there's no, like I think people think because a lot of the same books get read all the time in high school that you have to read them, but you don't. At least what? in BC. 
So in BC, there is no prescription. You don't even have to read Shakespeare if you don't want to. Like it's totally up to you how you handle, like we, the BC curriculum is based on learning outcomes. So what you're meant to teach is you're just meant to teach to these learning outcomes. So however you want the kids to learn is fine. So like, for example, I'm a substitute, as I said, but I have had a couple longer term contracts. The last time I had a long-term contract, the school I was at, their short story collections were just terrible, like really awful. So um, I decided to read Kevin Wilson's Tunneling to the Center of the Earth, which is one of my favorite recent oh, short stories. It's so good. Um, so I read a couple short stories from that instead because I was like, oh, well, this is way better than like reading some piece of shit from 1978 that none of these children would ever hear of or think about again. Um, and then you're totally allowed to do that. Like as long as you can acquire the copyright license or find a way to like, you know, I mean... I don't, you don't technically have to do that, but you're supposed to get like a copyright license for it or whatever, but yeah, you can kind of do whatever you want. So if I wanted to, you know, if I wanted the kids to take in some Carl, I could, I could make that happen. No problem. Easily. But I would say this is like grade 12 reading level. So, or sorry, 12th grade. I know you're American listeners. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. No, no problem. Um, Uh, We have to move to Canada so we can be Canadian public school teachers. I was going to extol the virtues of my job at a private school uh, where I do actually have freedom to basically do whatever I want because there's no, there's no big government breathing down my neck. But we could get taxpayer money to teach Kanowski. I know. Well, I, 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 for a while I was, I wanted to go to Canada. It's a good spot. I but know, private, but... private school is good too. Like that's like you say, like I would say it's a similar, as far as the curriculum goes, it's a similar type of thing where, where you have the freedom, at least in English, like, you know, in math and, and science, there are definitely like specific concepts that you have to teach in order to, you know, graduate the kids or whatever. But in English, it's much more about like, you know, kids will be able to like, that's the, a lot of the learning outcomes are written like that. So it's like, by the end of this class, the student will be able to blank. Right. And you kind of like, so you, you know, and then there's like, there's spots for new media. So like a lot of teachers now are teaching like podcasts and stuff. Holy shit. Really? Uh, English. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and like articles too, like if you wanted to do a whole unit on like journalism, you totally could do that or, you know, nice. whatever. So, so yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I, I have to read, I'd have to read some of Carl's book. Uh, cause I only read this New York times article. So I don't John, know. John, I want to stop you there. I, I know you, there's no way you'd know this, but you cannot call him Carl. His name, his name is Karluva. 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 Yeah, because in Norway, and we had a a Norwegian guest on in the first episode to establish this, the the two names are just one name. They, They cannot be separated. Okay. And yeah, and so in the interest of one day having Karluva on the podcast, I feel like we have to force all of our guests into the name respecting his Norwegian heritage. Yeah. Okay. Karluva. Karluva. It's weird because all yeah. the, all the Norwegians I know, like the ones from the curling team, they all just have one name. They're just like Thomas, Christopher, well, yeah. Horger, and Howard. What, what our friend Rob told us uh, is that it's kind of an older generation thing that having two okay. names. Yeah. Karluva. Okay. Karluva, That's fine. I'll yeah. call him that. I don't give a shit. I don't respect this man, <laughs> but I'll call him that and so you guys can have him on the I show. Mean, I appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, it's also kind of just a pedantic thing that I can lord over other people. Sure. You know, like... P- pedant away. Like you don't know how, how Norwegian names work, you fucking idiot. Yeah, you loser. You know? 
you fucking piece so, of shit idiot. I should yeah, add kind that of how I like to start conversations. The reason I initially wanted to teach Carl Uve to my students, even though I'm pretty sure it would lead to a disaster, was that I was handed a primer on like the genre of memoir to give to them, and he was included. Really, in it. really. So then I thought, like, well, it, this wouldn't even be far fetched. I and mean, this is basically giving me the layup here. Like, yeah. was I, it just an excerpt from from Kanowski? It, it, it wasn't even that. It was like a New York Times level. Uh, oh. Write up that said he's an exemplar of auto fiction or something like that. Oh. But I wanted to say to the teacher, well, you know, I'm actually the host of co host of a podcast yeah. dedicated, of a new media podcast dedicated to <gasps> the work of Carluva. So I, yeah. I just want to do it just to see. I just want to get the reaction. I would, I would love to know how they react to that. And also we could, you know, probably get a few podcasts of material out of that. So you should I definitely think, abuse your job I, I, <laughs> for the sake of our podcast that makes no money. Knowing what I know about my students, I don't think they, they're going to be so receptive to his work, but I, I could yeah. be wrong. You, know, you never know. You try. I just thought I was, it was simple. It's just like, it's, it's a kid wanting to get drunk. And I thought, who couldn't relate to that? That's relatable. Yeah, that is probably my favorite passage of, of book one. I mean, he puts beer in a bush. Yeah. So, John, for your reference, this is an anecdote that Carl Luva tells about. It's more than a mere smuggle anecdote. Beer. Well, but that's my point, is it's an anecdote that should last about one page. He smuggled, he tries to smuggle beer out of his house to get to a New Year's party. He, like, you know, gets an older friend to buy it. He puts it in a bush outside of his house to pick it up later. But it lasts about 200 pages. Two hundred. I don't. I didn't. I didn't count, but it lasts an incredibly long time. Like oh my it, god! Like it could be like the plurality of this book is taken up with the recollection of that story. Yeah. See, like uh, that. T- that's like um, narrative podcasts. You know, I feel like every oh. yeah. every narrative podcast is like eight episodes that total three hundred and fifty minutes for a story that could have been told in forty minutes. Um, well, yeah, and that's why he's a revolutionary writer is because he actually, yeah, he prefigured um, that genre. We should try to just read it. <laughs> years. Well, I've been telling you, we need to get on Twitch and just start reading his. I Yeah, Twitch live stream, yeah. Twitch. I don't know for... if there'd be copyright problems with that, but. I don't think so, because I know you should talk to, um, I can put you in touch with a podcast we're friends with called Mini and Death Cult, and they do a lot of uh, Twitch readings of stuff. Okay. I think you're good because I think that's fair use. I think it's fair use if you're just reading something that has already been written. I don't think that they could, I don't think that they could copyright claim that because it's just, it'd be the same thing if you were like playing a cover song on Twitch, right? Like, right, yeah. right. Where our band is covering my struggle. Yeah, and Drew exactly. and I are also a band, so it's yeah. There you go. It's, Easy. <laughs> Slam dunk. In a manner of speaking. Yeah. yeah. In a manner of speaking. Um, well, we should probably start talking about the article. I mean, sure. Oh. I'm really curious to hear what you thought of it, John, because it does take place in your country, part of it. <laughs> part of it takes place um, in a part of my country I've never been to. Um, right, yeah. Well, I've been to Newfoundland, uh, but I've never been to Lonzo Meadows. Um, okay. So, um, okay. I will, here's what I'll say. Um, he seems like an exhausting man. 
Um, he seems I, I like believe his ex-wives would agree with you. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, he just, um, hmm, this is how I felt. Okay. You know how, like, you know how some people you meet them and you think that they're like really cool, but you don't really know why you can't put your finger on it. And you're just, and, uh-huh. you, and you, this is often gets explained where people will say, Oh, they had a certain je ne sais quoi, you know, okay. a certain little, th- you know, and then there are people who I think, try to be cool and try to have like a certain je ne sais quoi. Okay. And that to me is Karluva's thing. To me, it comes across as he's like trying, like purposely trying to be mysterious, which I find very annoying. Ah, interesting. So that was my kind of like takeaway is that I thought, and I, it was funny because I know that um, maybe it was you, Lauren, that said or whatever, or or or, or I read about it. But it, yeah, I know that there are people who had commented about how yeah that he he like overwrites things and and that it's like you know you told the the about the beer anecdote or whatever. And this story is kind of like that too. There's like a lot of it's very right. he does have a very different and somewhat perplexing writing style where you're like, why are we taught? Why is, what does this have to do with anything? Why are we talking about this? Uh, like when he uh, takes a massive shit in the toilet and clogs it. Um, <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Which is like funny. It was, I like, just kind of love funny. that the New York times published. <laughs> yeah. Like it's funny, you know, but it, it but it was also just, yeah, it, it's like his writing is disarming in a way where you're like, okay, why are we, what are we, why are we spending time on this? Uh, so, but yeah, I, I think it just, it had a very like, guy who's taken one poli sci course and thinks he should run the country vibe to me. Interesting. Am I off? Is that, does that make sense? Do you, Do you, think, uh, you think that's unfair of me to say? It's well, but I think you, what you've touched on is the kind of knife edge you have with Carl Luva where on one side it's brilliant and on the other side, it's totally anodyne. And I think that if maybe you're encountering him for the first time, you'll definitely going to fall on the side of incredibly anodyne. Um, do you think that's right, Drew? Yeah, it's also probably... He does kind of come off as a parody of himself in this article. I mean, also, in in that article, maybe you don't get, like, you're not, like, as immersed as you would be in the book, so you don't kind of see the extent of his commitment to, to what, to his, to his work, to the, to the writing. Like yeah. I mean, the art, the article's a bit of a gimmick. It's like let's send Carl Uwe on on a journey. Yeah, classic cutesy New York New York Times. Yeah, boy. but I mean, I guess he took a shit on it, so to speak. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's what, and so that's what's so fun trying to parse in the article is how much of it is just yeah, like trying to um, sincerely write a travel log that feels honest, and how much of it is him just absolutely fucking with the New York Times editor. <laughs> Like, yeah, but also, but in a weird way, that's the question of the whole of the my struggle books too. Some people claim. Really, they think he's just fucking around. Yeah, they're like, oh, this is some guy that's just like shitting this out, like you know, in an incontinent way without editing, and he's like a sort yeah. of the kind of con almost, or at least it's like this, you know, narcissistic stream or something like that. 
Yeah, it, yeah. it definitely felt like, um, I think that there are passages of it where he is like pretty openly disdainful about having to do it. So like, I, to me, I didn't think yeah, that- Yeah, and they rock. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think the message was really mixed. I, I thought it was pretty, I thought it was fairly evident to me anyway. And I think this kind of ties back to my whole je ne sais quoi theory where he's kind of just like, yeah, but like, how cool would it be if I just like wrote about taking a shit in the New York Times? I'm fucking cool, dude. Like, you know, it definitely had a bit of that. Like, oh, I didn't even, I didn't even get my driver's license before I left Sweden because, like, who gives a shit? This fucking American photographer, don't talk to me, you know. And then, like, <laughs> I love how much he shits on that guy. Yeah, like, nice. <laughs> And it was really, and it was funny. I liked that he, the one that I, I really liked the, and I don't get me wrong. I liked reading it. I read it. Yeah. I read the whole thing. It was very long, but I read the whole thing. Yeah. It good. Um, it, it was Wait, just part, part one and part two or just part one? Just part one. Yeah. I, I, Cause I wasn't sure you sent your DM and I, and you, you sent part one and I like, wasn't sure if we were reading both, but he was only in Canada in part one. So I was like, okay. Oh no, believe me. I did. I didn't even expect you to read beyond the first few paragraphs. I oh mean, yeah. Okay. Well, you, whatever. You went far and away. Ahead. Oh, it's all good. No, it was good. Like I, yeah. I did like the writing, but it, it, yeah, it was really funny. Pardon me where he does one thing that he does do where even though he's like kind of being annoying in my mind, he did have that one passage that was really funny where the photographer guy was like, so you just intend to travel through America without actually like speaking to an American. And he was like, yeah, <laughs> and I, was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, like yeah, that's kind of that. cool. And like, that's funny to me. Yeah. It's just as like, I guess what it's just really funny because to me, it's like, I think that he thinks of himself as this kind of roguish character. And, and I think it's hard to, it's hard to be like a rogue in writing because you, you have no choice but to explain yourself as a rogue. So I think maybe mm -hmm. that's also why it came across as like a little bit more annoying or maybe heavy handed to me. Whereas like, like if you see a picture of James Dean or you see a movie with James Dean in it, you don't have to, he doesn't have to say, Hey, guess what? I'm pretty like roguish. <laughs> you know, like you can just see it. He looks like that and he looks cool yeah. and whatever. Whereas like when you're a writer and you're trying to kind of come across that way, which is what I think he's trying to do. Or I think that he thinks of himself as like kind of this renegade, cool, roguish guy. Mm. Um, it's hard not to sound somewhat obnoxious because you're sort of forced into like describing yourself that way. Ah, interesting. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, no, but I think, um, and again, I think you've kind of touched on what is so, how easy it is for Carl Lupa to come across as just incredibly fucking banal um, and like kind of a parody of this like uh, overwrought white middle-aged writer. Um, Drew, what do you think about that? It kind of touches on what we were talking on in an earlier episode about whether he's an underground man or every man. I mean, yeah, I, I, I guess I, I kind of, I feel like he's more of an everyman than he gets credit for being, or I, I guess I never really understood when people see him as an underground man, if, or maybe this whole binary is somewhat silly, but um, I would say, I think he'd welcome the banal interpretation no, but not banal in terms of the events in his life, more banal in terms of his outlook, or I guess you could say trite, right? Like, because what John is getting at is Carl Luva kind of comes across in this article as 
some unimpressed European writer who thinks he's cooler than all of these dumbasses and yeah, uh, is going to do something cute by exploding the concept of a travelogue. Yeah, maybe it's cute when it's limited to his kind of playing with the genre of the travelogue, but I don't feel that way about the books themselves, although maybe he really did just want to kind of toy, be a little, more, you know, playful. He was toying with the New York Times. Yeah, I mean, I think, see, that's what's so fun about this article for me as like a, a long form writer is like, you start to pick up on this pattern and like how feature stories are structured. And like, it's, I mean, it's a formula and, you know, things rarely deviate from it. And I have to say, like, I basically never read the cover story in the New York Times Magazine, even if it looks like objectively interesting. Um, yeah. Because I know it's going to be well-written and I know it's going to be insightful, but it's just like, it's, there's nothing new happening. Um, yeah, I, I and I know nothing is going to surprise me, um, but, and so that's why he's so refreshing to me as he's just saying, it's just a big fuck you to the, you know, the New York Times cover story complex and him just absolutely shitting over on like the, the publication that's paying him. Um, but also like kind of, you know, being so uneven and having these kind of moments of brilliance, but then moments of absolute banality in this publication. And somehow getting not just one, but two parts. Like this was the cover story two weeks in a row, I think. Um, yeah, maybe I'm just envious of that. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, like, is there is there a is there a vein of criticism around him that um that is kind of like why this guy? Um, I think people are perplexed, but I don't know if they have an answer to that right. Because, like, it seems to me, be like to me, just and again, I've only read this article, so I do think yeah. probably the two of you having read his books uh, or parts of his books might have a better insight into him in general that helps inform a reading of this article. But mm. it, it seems like I, I could see given the way he writes um, being very, like you say, banal straight ahead in some ways, uh, very, very um, over overwritten in some ways. Like, I think it's, 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 um, you know, you see this criticism a lot of like music and stuff too, where it's like, Oh, well, anybody could do this. So like, why is he the guy, you know, why is sure. he the guy that can just kind of like write a blog, write a 3,600 page blog and it becomes yeah. like the most mm -hmm. famous book in Norwegian history or whatever. Like, is that part of the criticism of him or, or no? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, I think like, well, but again, like you point out, like you compare it to, you know, Jackson Pollock, people look at that and they say, my third grader could do that. Right. Um, it's, I think it's pretty much in the same vein. Um, it's more in the vision, but uh, like the craft is not necessarily good all the time, uh, even though it sometimes is very good. Um, and I guess what Drew and I have tried to explore in the past few episodes is kind of how serious it is because this this cover story comes off as kind of like a lark but the book is deadly serious would you agree with that drew yeah i was gonna say i 
I think it, yeah, the book is certainly like the opposite of glib or frivolous or anything like that. Yeah, um, it's not just like ha ha ha. Wouldn't it be funny if I wrote a, a thirty-six hundred page novel about right, my life? Okay. Yeah, it's like dead serious. Like this is his life's work. Um, Although, and he, yeah. yeah, and it it can be funny and banal in parts, but the the point of the book is him trying to write something that feels honest and authentic um, in a way that's so sincere you almost don't see it being done anymore. Um, which is what Drew and I were talking about and how, you know, in postmodernism, writers are seem kind of done with the, the striving for authenticity or for um, honesty or, you know, just the impossible project of trying to get the words on the page to represent life in any kind of non-trite way. Um, and that's something he's trying to do. And I think the problem is that's such a gargantuan project. It does not come across in an article. Also, just on a, on a even a cruder level, like I think if you actually do, I don't, this isn't even really to mount some grandiose defense of Kinozgard, but if you do read his books, I think you'll find that um, they are compelling in such an unusual way that it, it's, it's not um, obvious that just merely anybody could do that. Like it's, it, yeah, yeah. that's the weird thing. Like even I, I have heard people you know, somewhat, um, you know, jokingly criticize the books as, as I said, a kind of like, you know, narcissistic or self-involved, like d diarrhea, something like that. But it, it, it's the the books to me are highly patient, um, you know, and precise in a way that does not, that is not, that doesn't seem like a kind of, un, you know, what, unedited blog post, you know, by some manic person. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, no, that's fair. I, I just wasn't sure. Cause I, cause I, yeah. I could see it, you know, that, that was my sort of thought about, um, you know, about reading just this article was I, I kind of thought, you know, Oh, I wonder if that's like, uh, you know, I wonder if that's something that people think about or, you know, or ascribed him. I also wonder too, like, again, I haven't read the books, but I just wonder if the New York times thing is like part of him feeling like he's maybe somewhat above it or also just like, he just isn't interested in doing anything. That's not his like very serious life story. Right. Like maybe that's yeah. also part I of think it, the latter is it. Yeah. Yeah. Where he's like, I'm so committed yeah. to this one thing that I've done six volumes of or whatever the case that he's like, I don't even think I'd be good at this. Like I, I know that I feel that way sometimes too in, in comedy, um, you know, especially cause you, cause it's in the moment and it's immediate. If you're put in a situation where you feel like, Oh, I probably won't be good at this. Then it's hard to be good at it because you're already approaching it with this like sense of, okay, well, this is not a scenario where I'm set up to do well. So I'm probably going to do bad. And then you do bad. And I almost wonder if that's part of it. It's not even so much that he's shitting on the New York times, but he's like, I didn't write these books so that I could get a feature in the New York times two weeks in a row or whatever. But then the New York times is like, Hey, we'll give you X some $5,000 to write these words. Like, and he's like, well, I, I mean, I guess I'll do it, but I don't <laughs> I'm good at it. I don't think I'm the right guy to do this kind of thing. 
John, I think that's exactly, I mean, in my opinion, that's exactly what happened. Like, I think. I just want to add that the weird thing, it, the weird thing is, I didn't know this article existed, but at the, at really? the time. Really? Well, for a long time, but um, I actually wrote a piece that was sort of auto-fictional, though I'm hesitant to use that word, experiment where I pretended to have gone on a road trip to the very location that Carl Ove did. And I was, and in the piece, I was reading, I think he talks about the the book by the Explorer, like Hel, Hel, I don't know how to pronounce his name, that we need Rob back, but Hel, Helg Ingstad. He's a Norwegian explorer that discovered the site of the Viking um, settlement in Canada. But I read that book and like wrote this whole essay that, that used it only to discover a few weeks later that Karlov had done it before me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nice. So, I mean, the Viking thing is kind of, and I think, but John, I think what you're touching on is absolutely right, is he knows it's a gimmick, and he knows that it's a very good gimmick, like, it's a very, whoever thought of this, this assignment at the New York Times Magazine is, like, very smart, and it's a very good idea, he's like, who wouldn't want to read that, like, first of all, I love travel logs, and he was, like, the hottest author at the time, this is 2015, he's, like, the number one literary sensation, um, it's kind of a brilliant idea to have this like weird European man just bumbling about America and going to like the original <laughs> Norwegian <laughs> Viking spots. And, um, and I think he knows that he is at some point kind of never going to transcend this assignment, right? This assignment will always, the gimmick of the assignment will always be hanging over his head. Um, and I wonder if, yeah, it's kind of this like, He's like, this isn't my thing, right? I've never been a, a nonfiction or like, I've never been a journalist or a travel writer. Um, and so it's like him trying to bring his signature, his, all of his signature ploys to the assignment and kind of reclaim it from being this like cutesy New York Times thing. Um, yeah. And how, how well does it work? Like, I don't know, but just like, it's just such... Like, as a standalone piece, like, if you didn't know anything about him, I wonder... Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how you, you approached it. Me. Yeah, exactly. Um, you ask me, I actually didn't know anything about him when I first read this. Like, this right. is how I got into um, into Kanauskoid, because I was writing a travelogue um, of my own for... I was about cycling in Sichuan in the coronavirus pandemic right before I left China. Um, and I was, like, looking for inspiration. And I read that... Um, and it just seemed very refreshing to me, but perhaps I was also approaching it as someone who's incredibly fucking exhausted with the demands of feature story writing. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that could be, that could be true. I mean, I think I, I, one thing I wonder too, is that I wonder if my interpretation of it is different um, as a man who like is comes at this maybe from an like a I don't know it just like I said it, there was a there was a vibe to this where I was like oh this is like a bunch of guys I met in university who just think they're better than everybody and they and that's like all they're concerned about is like being better than everybody in the least obvious way you know, I think right. there's like competition in university where like when you're in high school, you want to be better than everyone in an obvious way. You want to be like, I'm the fucking star quarterback. I'm dating the head cheerleader. Fuck you. You're a piece of shit. Like whatever. Yeah. 
Um, mm. And then I think when you get to university and it's all smarter people who can see through that type of like bullshit, it's all about being like the most impressive, but also like the, the, the best at like seeming unimpressive. And right. so I, there was just like, that was the, like, I, yeah, I liked the story, I think. And I, and I, like I said, there were some parts of the writing that I really connected with and I thought were interesting. Um, and, it, and, and yeah, it's like a well, it was easy to read. Like, I mean, I was recovering from eye surgery and I breezed oh. right through to the end and it was like not a big deal. Um, it was just a minor procedure, Drew. Don't worry. It was fine. I, surgery is probably we, the We wrong. already discussed it in length. I, yeah, I heard the early yeah. parts. It was a laser thing. It was fine. But like, yeah. it was, yeah. So it was like gripping and I was, and I was in it and I liked it, but it just, yeah, I, I was having the narr the, the narrator was a, tr was the, was the problem for me at times where I was just like, ah, oh, yeah. Like I know this guy I, I've been, I've been around this guy and I don't yeah, like, yeah. and I don't like this guy. This guy pisses me off, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know if, if that's like a male thing where I also feel some sort of like competition. In, oh, you, in feel, you feel cucked by <laughs> I mean, not even, but I just wonder if like, that's part of like what got my back up where uh, like, I think it's because I'm very competitive, but in like a sports and like a winning games type of way, I'm not sure. competitive in a like pissing contest type of way. I'm not competitive sure. in a like, I make more money than you, or I have a bigger dick than you type of way. Like that doesn't matter to me, but this was that, like, maybe that was part of it was like, I was just like, I'm not going to engage I don't think I'm going to engage with him on like maybe the level that he wants me to engage with him at. Oh, but well, I think that's a great insight. And that's why I think he has such a hard time like making friends and like maintaining relationships. I mean, for, for yeah. context, like he's broken pretty much all of his family ties. Um, yeah, I learned by, that. Yeah, by writing about them yeah. in uh, his six-volume novel. Um, and it's because of his absolute inability to withhold his thoughts like the being honest and writing will always be his number one priority. I mean, it's ended his two marriages. Um, and I think that he would be that kind of guy if he hadn't literally put everything on the line for it. Like he's so fucking committed to being that guy because he believes that I'm just telling you, I don't think it's an affectation. Right. Right. And that, and that's totally fair. Like I say, it's, it's, I'm coming to it from not knowing any of that. Like I, I, like when you asked me to do the podcast, it's funny that you, you know, like, yeah, doing some reading about him and stuff, you read of like, oh yeah, this guy was like the hottest guy on earth as a writer and whatever. And I guess it's just like, I was just caught up in my own stuff or I would just, I stopped trafficking in those kinds of circles when I, you know, started having like a dumb podcast or I don't know what, yeah. but I just like, yeah. I literally never heard of him until you brought him up to me. And then like doing this re doing like some research around him and stuff for the, for the pod, it was like, Oh, how have I never heard of this guy? It seems very weird that I wouldn't have, but yeah, there were uh, certainly a lot of, uh, there was lots of talk of, <laughs> of how he's basically destroyed his entire family. Over these books. Yeah, no, it's an, it's an amazing bit, you know, it's a, and it's the commitment that I think makes, people like him right like so many we I think we feel these days so many writers don't walk the walk it's all about affectation um but he is just so it's like he's almost pathologically unable to be anyone other than himself um right. which is what I admire and I I feel it's also a problem I have in my own life in some ways um I don't and it's like 
and he has made a lot of sacrifices. I mean, he's also made a ton of money. Um, but I think so too, like if you like if you were him, right? Like he's assuming because yeah, he's gotten very famous, especially in his own home country, as writing this article. He's yeah. probably assuming that like you know who he is. Right. Like, I mean, and that, so maybe well, that's and the part New York of Times, the right reader knows who he is. Yes, exactly. So it's like, I, I, so that's fair in that, like with this being my first experience with him, I could see how he feels comfortable maybe coming across as like, you know, a bit abrasive or a bit um, full of himself, but he trusts that like you've read some of his stuff before and that you know what he's about. And so he, he's assuming that you're coming to it from a certain place and it's just not yeah. a place that I was coming to it from. And I wonder like that might have yeah. affected my reading of it as well. No, that's a very good point. Yeah. No, I mean, again, like I think it's an absolute knife's edge between just being a pretentious asshole and being like a, you know, a striving writer like he's he's almost vulnerable you'll start to realize when you read him and how uh desperately he longs for you know achieving some kind of honesty and it, it makes him seem almost naive at times but i think that naivety also comes across as um as obliviousness and kind of a uppity yeah like an uppity above it allness um and it is funny how and I, I think it does go back to what Drew and I were talking about before, how we've kind of gotten to the point where we can't even imagine uh, someone genuinely trying to be authentic. It's like we've pretty much given up on that. And that's why Hanauskowit is so disarming. Like, it just seems so passe, like the, the guy in the leather jacket who's like fucking... He's like, this is, you know, society, man. <laughs> you know? We live in a society. Kind of a we live in a society guy in a way, but like in a in a genuine way. Like he's the last, like, just completely sincere we live in a society guy. Um, That's why it's odd that he's like alienated his family just because his books never seem like, I mean, and perhaps that is uh, a strange thing in Norwegian culture as we've learned, but they never seem defamatory or kind of, you know. Well, but they tell the truth and they tell some ugly truths about a lot of members of his family. I guess, and, but it just seems more, I guess it yeah. just seems like the necessary product of, of his like commitment to sort of narrate his life. It, 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 it's always odd for me to remember that he's, that he's like hurt people. I, I don't really see him as, as though he's consciously hurting people. That's a strange thing. Um, but I, I no. so I never know what to think about that. But I, think I also it's did like, one, Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I just wondered about why he, if the piece itself, the journalistic piece, if, if was the metaphor that is that is the metaphor that he was like exploring at, in the vein, in the vein of Vikings that he was like, yeah, taking dude, that's on exactly America. what the assignment was. It's literally but, called my saga. Yeah. But why why does he need a saga, you know? He already he already Our wrote a saga. assigned it to him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Drew, did you read this? I uh, a few years back. Yeah, it was but, just an assignment from the New York Times. They were like, "LOL, we should do this." I can see the like I can see the family thing in the sense that I think that when you exist in a family, then you think that 
there is like a, this protective barrier around the things you do, right? Like, you know, people will say like, right. oh, I'm a different person around my family than I am around my friends or my coworkers or whatever. Like I'm, you know, you're your true self around your family in a way that you aren't uh, otherwise. So I could see how, even if it's just a telling of the truth, you know, he's not like, Oh my, you know, it's it, where it's not like just like oh my aunt who was fat as hell, just a fat. Although he does, guy. he does just offhandedly call people fat sometimes. Oh, okay, all right, well, fair <laughs> enough. Well, he did do that in this too. He was talking about how the people were so fat that he couldn't oh, stop staring at them. <laughs> we, can, we can get to that in a second. I want to talk about the part in Newfoundland yeah. too. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I so you know, again, I don't know for sure, but like if, if it's just a retelling of things that are maybe like an ugly truth, I can still see how you would feel betrayed by that because you'd be like, well, that's, oh, yeah. fam- that's family business, you know, like, yeah, okay. You're trying to write yeah. a story, but like, you know, that's, that that's, that's between us. That's in this like right. cone of, of silence or whatever. And, and yeah, so yeah. even if you can say like, oh, he's just 100% tell, like, you know, there's things that, my girlfriend, I'm sure, could tell people where she would be telling 100% the truth, but I would still be upset with her that she told right. people. Yeah, or and it would hurt your relationship. Yeah, Correct, yeah. So, and, so I can and, see it from that perspective. <laughs> I think it's easy to sit on the outside and be like, well, I can't believe these people are mad because he was just saying what happened. But it's yeah. like, well. <laughs> oh, and he says some dark shit. Like, it, so the, the, in the first book, the second half of the first book is devoted entirely to... Uh, Knauskoid and his brother cleaning out his father's house where his father was living while he was drinking himself to death. So these 300 pages detail just how shit infested, just everything was molded. There's piss on the floors. Like this was an ugly, ugly alcoholic death. And um, he details just the cleaning of it, like going to the store, getting the Lysol, cleaning out each room, uh, room by room, and also suggesting or basically showing that his grandmother had been, was also an alcoholic and had been drinking with her son um, as he was dying. And that's not really something anybody wants revealed about their family. Right. But um, it's also incredible, an incredible, you know, feat of literature. It's not really something that has been done before. Right. Um, especially in the fact of laboriously cataloging like you feel the time passing in the labor of the, of the project of cleaning out this house. Um, and it's, yeah, it's brutal. Yeah. I guess it's just easy to forget. Somehow it's easy to forget in the reading that these are real humans as well. <laughs> like, I, I guess like, I just, not that it's oh, hermetically yeah. sealed, but I do, t- I do sort of read it as a novel, whatever that means. So it kind of, they take on. Uh, it's not empathetic at all. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it also seems like even his exploration of his family seems, you know, to be full, to kind of have, to to be empathic. You know, it doesn't, it just doesn't ever seem like acidic to me. Um, no, he's never catty. Yeah. Like it, there's not yeah. like a gossipy tone of like right. dishing. It's not dishy. And uh, it I doesn't feel like he's violating people at least in in the tone of the writing but that might be a set apart yeah. from the mere act of 
right. I'm really, I think laying out the dirty facts in a bestseller is, I think, enough. <laughs> yeah, well, I think too, it's like, that's what I was kind of getting at with the whole like yeah. fat bitch comment or whatever of like, yeah, that's what I meant is that it's not like gossipy or whatever. But I think it kind of goes back to what Lauren was saying too. And maybe this ties into like what you're saying, Drew, mm. in, that, in the sense of like, we're so used to even biographies. Like if you read a, a biography or a memoir written by someone, you just assume there's like creative licenses being taken where it's like, okay, yeah, maybe this person was kind of like this, but they're like blowing it up a little bit for the memoir, for the sake of the entertainment value, like that, that like true authenticity doesn't come through. Whereas in this writing, it sounds like to me, um, Carl Uva makes it sound like, like he, he lets you know, like, no, this is the like 100% unadulterated truth. Like I'm giving you just the, like, this is not, I'm not blowing it up. And so it yeah. maybe seems when you're reading it, like you said, you, it almost comes across in a bit of a novel way because you're like, oh, well there's, he must be taking some sort of license here, or maybe this mm. isn't like exactly how it happened, but then it's so painstaking and so written in such a way where you're like, oh no, this is definitely, this is how it must've happened. Yeah. I mean, at least that's his project. Yeah. I right. mean, that's the great project of, of my struggle. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to read a- some of it now, I guess. I, I hope you do, and we will have you back on the pod. If sure. The irony is, it's re- it's not a laborious reading experience. It's it, it it's it's sort of oddly inviting in its it way. It is. It's, it is weirdly. If you ever try to read it, you'll find it's kind of addictive. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, I will. Yeah, yeah. Book one uh, is book one is a good read. So I mean, book, book one is also rather like self-contained. Um, yeah. But yeah. I need to keep reading it myself, so the project our struggle <laughs> continues. Yeah. Well, luckily I, I, we haven't actually had anyone on the pod who's read more of our of my struggle than we have. <laughs> right. Where um, they're like spoiling it for. They're like, no, no, you guys got yeah, this all we, wrong. <laughs> book oh no, four, we haven't even totally. had anyone on the pod who's read <laughs> a sentence of my struggle. Now that I think about it. Well, right. we have to. We have to, to read first 10 pages i think we have to remain the authorities on the text or exactly else yeah so i almost don't want to consult anyone who's read you know all six books uh, I mean, I'll, read, I'll read some but i'll make sure it's always less than you two yeah, yeah as long as you is, stay a few, a few hundred pages behind us yeah I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll dm you lauren i'll be like okay yeah. so what page are you on right now okay okay yeah i'm about yes. one i'm about 200 behind you Please so we're do. good Please do. I want. <laughs> please, I know. Update me on that. I know multiple people who've read the whole, the whole kid and caboodle. I do want to get to the end, especially because apparently he does spend several hundred pages doing a fairly thorough, close reading of the original Mincom. I know that's it's amazing. Supposed to be very to me. brilliant. Yeah. I. Um, it's like he keeps teasing us. I got, you know, teasing I know, us he wasn't, this. it's, again, like, it, Kanausgord is serious. He's never, it's never just a gimmick, you know? He's like, no, I'm, I'm really <laughs> going to get to my struggle. He knew from day one that he was going to yeah. write a big essay in the middle of, or at the end of the book on, on Mein Kampf. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he, kn- he knows what he's doing. Hell I yeah. Mean, kind of, yeah. But um, I, I do want to talk about this article, especially after you, you know, you've done more of your homework for this podcast than any of our guests before. Well, I think that that's the, teacher in me. that's the teacher in me. What can exactly. I say? Exactly. Well, and the Canadian in you. True. That's a, 
beautiful British Columbian uh, curriculum you got up there. Yeah, you're right. You're right. What could I say? Well, I did like, it, it was funny because I, you know, there was like a few doing this like podcast tour, you know, most of the time people ask you to guest on a podcast and it's just like, yeah, you don't have to prepare anything. Like we'll see you. Yeah. We'll see you at six o'clock. Um, and so it was funny because Lauren, you're one of the first people who reached out to me actually. And you're like, yeah, we read this guy and we might get you to read some of his work. And I was like, oh yeah, that's not like, it doesn't bother me, but I was like, yeah, okay. And then like an, a- an hour after you, this podcast messaged me and they're reading the entire Animorphs series. You remember oh, Animorphs? Um, and so they were like, yeah, so we'll get you to read an entire Animorphs book oh, and, and, we'll, uh, and then we'll bring you on the show. And I was like, what? I mean, the books are like, I didn't realize how short they were. Like, I didn't know, like it was the book, the one I read, I think was like 67 pages or something. And it's okay. like, in, and it's in like 15 point font. Like it, I read okay. it in like an hour, but it was just, it was funny to, you know, to think of like, I'm starting to say yes to all these podcasts. And it's like, oh, this podcast, yeah. I got to read a whole book for it. Like what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> well, hey. But one article, hey, I can handle that all day. You and it was a much do- better read than Animorphs, I'll tell you that. Okay, I was about to ask you that, and I was going to kill myself if you said Animorphs. Oh, it was, the Animorphs was so bad. Like, I never read it as a kid, and I was never even really into, like, serial books as a kid. Like, you know, I always had friends who, like, would read every Goosebumps and all that kind of, like, I never, I was never into that. I think I just read at, like, a higher level, I guess, and so I was was more interested in, like, self-contained works, I I guess so, but, like, yeah, it just, uh, Oh, it was, it was fucking brutal. It was so bad. I can't Ooh. believe it. I mean, I guess, again, you kind of did, you know, dig this grave for yourself. I dug it. Offering to I go dug it. I'm laying, I've been making it for the last two weeks. No, it's and been you know good. What? Like, but a lot like of an escort, you're committed. And that's I'm why. I'm committed I, now. And now I have to read a 3,600-page book. I guessed it on this podcast, and yeah. now I've got to read 3,600 pages. It's easy. And, you know, we appreciate it. <laughs> we, we should do a crossover with the if you thing. If you have finished... <laughs> Yeah. All 300, 3,600 pages of Canal Squared, you're basically a troop. You're a veteran. True. And yeah. I think you're going to get there. And it's yes, possible. I tried to read Infinite Jest and that didn't work out. So we'll see how it goes. But Ooh. Oh, well, that's, that's actually hard to read. <laughs> that's a. Uh, no, my struggle is way more inviting. Way, and way less impenetrable. Okay, good. Than DFW. I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm so excited for your journey. Thank you. Um, so yeah, let's talk about. I'm I'm very curious about what you thought about this Canada part. Um, <coughs> yeah. Can you can you first tell us as you know a Canadian what do you what do you grow up learning about the Vikings and specifically Newfoundland and like um, what are popular perceptions of New Newfoundlandese? Uh, we do learn about this um, I don't I don't know that it's necessarily early on I'm trying to think of when exactly. I think one of the social studies, like I want to say it was probably grade seven is where we start to get really into Canadian history and like indigenous history in this country. Sure. Um, but yes, definitely aware of Vinland um, and, and like that it's now in current day Lonzo Meadows. Um, I, I personally did, we did an explorers project and I did, uh, and I, when I was in, I think grade six or seven and I did Leif Erikson. So I am personally familiar with, uh, you know, given that it was Eric the Red who was in Vinland. um, I'm, I'm very familiar with his, his son, his finest work, uh, Leif Erikson. So um, yeah, so you're, you're like aware of it, but I, I think that we, 
Newfoundland is interesting. Newfoundland's like its own country, kind of. Um, they're weirdly uh, 30 minutes ahead of the Atlantic time really? zone for some reason. Yeah. Um, so That's fucked. Yeah. It's only a half hour time difference. I feel yeah. like time zone differences always have to be an hour. They are, except in Newfoundland. It's 30 minutes. Okay, well, that uh, alone is enough to... Yeah. Make I mean, that really sets the table. They're, they're a very... Yeah. Um, they have, like, a very distinctive accent. I don't know if you've ever, like, heard of the Newfoundland accent, but it's very... Um, hey, how's she going there, bye? Like, it's very... Oh, God, uh, okay. Yeah, it's kind of like a, it's almost kind of like an Irish, but like mixed with Canadian. So it's kind of a, they do okay. like buy is like the big thing, which is boy, but with an apostrophe in the middle. So that's like, how oh you doing there, uh, That's like a big thing. Um, they say, and they, they, they overpronounce a lot of vowel sounds. So for like example, the word tonight, they say tonight. Oh God. Hi, where are you going tonight? Bye. Um, and they, and the, and really hard, um, long vowel sounds. So like car is car. We got to get in the car um, is like a big, uh, you know, we're going to the bar. Get, let's have everybody hop in the car. Um, I love it. Yeah. It's, it's, it is actually like very, it's, it's easy to listen to. It's nice. Um, but yeah, Newfoundland is very much like every other Canadian province where, um, you know, Canada has a handful of cosmopolitan cities like Vancouver, where I live um, in Toronto, Montreal, you know, and then um, pretty much as soon as you get about an hour outside of any major Canadian city, then it's all just good old Canadian boys. Hey, how you fucking doing there, bud? Uh, yeah, what's going on? How you doing? <laughs> how you feeling? Hey, fucking rights, bud. For sure, dude. Um, so <laughs> it's very strange in that like it's, yeah, there is this kind of like difference. And, and so Newfoundland is like that too. So the, the capital of Newfoundland is St. John's. Um, and you will find like everyone in Newfoundland has like a Newfie accent, but it's like, once you, as soon as you get an hour outside of St. John's, then it's like St. John's. It's like, you can't even understand what they're saying anymore. Um, and Knauskor did mention, so, okay. That makes me feel better because I thought he was just being a little bitch about not being able to understand their English, but it no, sounds like no, even a native speaker. Yeah. Okay. No, it, it's, it's for real. Um, so yeah, like, what are you then, talking about? Your English is very good. Like I've seen him interviewed in English. He was yeah, like, I literally so, cannot understand what they're saying. Yeah, it's tough. Um, and then, yeah, Newfoundland is just one of those places, like, it's, it's expensive to go to, so, like, a lot of Canadians haven't been there. There's no bridge, so, like, a lot of the other prairie... So, oh, one of those New, Brunswick is, New Brunswick is connected to Quebec by land, and then Nova Scotia and PEI... Uh, well, so, Nova Scotia is connected to Quebec by a bridge, and then Nova Scotia and PEI are connected by a bridge. So you can get by car, you can get to every province except for Newfoundland. You exclusively have right. to or fly to it. So it, uh, so yeah, so like a lot of people just don't ever go there. Uh, so it does kind of feel like its own place. And then it is also a dual. So there's a, it's, it's the official province is Newfoundland and Labrador. Um, so Labrador is actually attached to Quebec, the northern part of Quebec. And it is like very north. Um, so, so yeah, so Newfoundland, they've got their own thing going, but I really like it there. I've been to St. John's. I spent, uh, about five days there doing comedy and, um, beautiful place. Uh, absolutely gorgeous. And fun fact about Newfoundland, uh, they were like the hub of, um, like, uh, a bunch of people in nine 11. They, they took in yes. a ton of people in nine 11 and they wrote a play about it called come from yes. away. Uh, I've heard about that. Yeah. Wait, what? Famous play. Yeah. So like on 9-11, when the planes were getting grounded, the planes that were coming in from Europe, Newfoundland is like the first thing you hit when you're coming from Europe because of Vinland. 
So a lot of these European flights to this that were intended for the States were getting rerouted to Newfoundland. So Newfoundland ended up housing like thousands of people for like a couple days while they figured out like what was going on with 9-11 and stuff. Huh. Yeah. And so then they wrote a, they wrote a play about it called come from away uh, because that's what they say. If you're not from Newfoundland, you're from away. It's like, are uh, you from away? And you're like, yeah, I'm from Toronto. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. So that's what it's all about. Like and, a and, um, it is. And Gander, uh, whoa, shit. Gander's a small Newfoundland city. Uh, and, but they had one of Canada's only international airports because again, it's like one of the last stops before you go to Europe. And, um, it was like a big factor in world war two. There was like a lot of stuff that was like being carted over from Gander to, uh, to Europe. So Newfoundland has a big piece of Canadian history, even though it's kind of this like uh, weird redheaded stepchild of Canada as a whole. Oh, I'm fascinated. I want to go. It's a great place. Honestly, it's beautiful. I've always wanted to go there and I I did find that I would have to take a ferry. Yeah. So there you go. Are you, is that something you're against for ferries? No, I I would love to take a ferry there. I've I've wanted to go to St. John. That's the city, St. John? St. John's. You got to be careful because there's St. John, which is in New Brunswick. Okay. You got to be very careful. Yeah. So St. John's is the capital of Newfoundland. St. John is one of the largest cities in New Brunswick. Okay. Not the capital, though. Fredericton's the capital of New Brunswick. So New it's Brunswick pretty easy to buy a plane ticket to the wrong place. Yeah, oh, sure. I mean, yeah, you'd have you got to be careful for sure. Yeah, but I heard today that Trudeau is blocking us out for a long time yet, or something like that. Yeah, that's, yeah, we can't have you guys over here. You're too you, you're too flippant about We're the, infectious. the old COVID. Yeah. Well, well yeah. maybe I'll get that kayak. Doing. I'll kayak to well, Newfoundland. Great That's idea. The other thing too is like I don't know if you guys know, but the um, the Maritimes actually have their own bubble separate from Canada. Really? So yeah, because because Nova Scotia, Newfoundland, and PEI are obviously all separated by water. So they actually are operating their own bubble and they've had like no COVID cases. And if you, if you come into Newfoundland from away, uh, from other parts in Canada, you got to quarantine for two weeks. Uh, like my buddy's a comedian from Newfoundland and he was just in Toronto doing some shows. And when he got back to Newfoundland, he had to quarantine for 14 days. It's crazy. Um, they're taking it serious, but they've had virtually no cases. So it's just like the, everybody's just living their lives over there. It's a very New Zealand situation where it's like, yeah, we're an island and kind of control this. And, uh, but yeah, it's a great place. And another fun fact about St. John's is that they, the downtown area is very small because it's like surrounded by water. So there's pretty much no room to build real estate anymore. And they famously built like row homes. So like, if you look up, like if you look up any pictures of St. John's as a city, you'll see it's all, it almost looks like the opening of full house, like in San Fran, it's like all row. Uh, Right. Yeah. I've seen that. So because in Newfoundland and, and it's part of their heritage, it's part of their history. So you're not allowed to knock down the houses to create like bigger houses or, or like condo buildings or anything like that. So what rich people in Newfoundland will try to do is buy two of the row homes together and knock out the wall in the middle. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Kind of a dick stuff. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. If you ever go to St. John's, that's your, I have to read, our struggle or my struggle and you have to read, <laughs> you guys have to go to St. John's and then we can all meet back together for a pod. 
I would love that. Yeah. We'll just stop by. We'll just hop over to Vancouver after we're in St. John's. It's, you know, because they're probably right next to each other, right? St. Yeah. John's to Vancouver, Vancouver would be like uh, about eight hour flight. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just Yeah. You'd, you'd have to fly from St. John's to Montreal or Toronto, which is about a two yeah. hour flight. Then you'd probably have a layover. Yeah. And then Montreal or Toronto to here is like Toronto to here is about five hours. Montreal is about six. Okay. Well, you know. So yeah, like Manageable. right now, they're pretty much yeah. same, 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 you know. Same. The Canadians say it Montreal, Montreal, yeah, Mon- like Mon- Montreal, yeah. Why? How do you think? think? I think it, I call it Montreal. Yeah, either or, Montreal, Montreal. I mean, because hmm. it's, I think what it is, part of it is because of the French pronunciation. So yeah. like French should be Montreal. Right. So if you are, if you're, yeah, Sawyer from, also told me you speak French. That's the other fact you told me. About. I, I, no, like semi fluent. Um, we just take French yeah, from. He like, talked French. you up then. He said he's. He said you're fluent in French. I am not fluent. Um, but yeah, so I you speak French. You say Montreal, so it's like so you say Montreal because it's kind of into the French sort of pronunciation. So I think that's why, right. and probably why you say Montreal because you think of like. I was saying this on another podcast, but like truly, truly one of the funniest things to me is that the capital of Vermont is pronounced Montpelier. Yeah. Um, you know, I oh, think yeah. you probably think it as like, it's, I mean, come on, it's named after Montpelier. Like, it's just insane that it's the no, funniest no. thing We're is when pronouncing it, it all the way through. The funniest thing is when it comes up on Jeopardy because Alex Trebek is from Ottawa, which is like the most bilingual city in uh, Canada. And um, he like, you can tell it hurts him inside. Like he oh. hates saying Montpelier. You can tell with every, he's like, oh. Wait, is that why he's dying? <laughs> I, think that's, <laughs> I think that's what it is. You had to say it too many times. Is he still like, trying to tell you that. Uh, no, I think he's still, he's hanging in there. Oh yeah, he's hanging in there. I saw him on, a, on the cover of Us Weekly at the grocery store. Yeah, he's, he's in there. He's, yeah. he's doing it, man. He's, he's fighting. He, that will be one of the only celebrity deaths that like really gets me. I'll be really sad. Yeah, he seems like such a nice man. Yeah, Canadian. That's how, we work. how could he not be?